Encore with Claire O'Brien, arts and entertainment for the Midlands. With the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com Love Christmas, love Midlands 103, love a Christmas song. Well, you're in the right place for that tonight because we will be talking about Christmas number ones, the ones that have been, the ones that should have been and the ones that might yet be. Um, We'll be talking to Mick Lynch a little bit later on about the songs that are vying this year, some of them decades after they were originally released to become Christmas number ones for the first time. that's a bit, little bit later on in the programme. We'll also be talking to Jane Foley of Fresh Film uh, because she is inviting filmmakers aged between 7 and 18 to put themselves forward for the competition for Ireland's Young Filmmaker of the Year. Now, we're speaking about um, Christmas number ones and Christmas songs and... Um, 0833010103 is the Lamb Brothers Midlands 103 text line. If you'd like to text in to us or send us a WhatsApp, we'd love to hear from you about your favourite Christmas song, the songs that you associate with Christmas and the songs that you think should have been Christmas number ones maybe that weren't. Um, maybe there's a particular Christmas that stands out in your mind. Uh, you hear a song, the few, the few bars going over the radio and it takes you back to a certain time and place when I asked our, our head of music here at Midlands 103, Roy Jennings, to have it, to tell me what his favourite Christmas songs were. And he came up with a couple of bangers and one of them I'm going to play for you now. Um, I like some old school and this is Heartbeat. You're listening to Encore on Midlands 103. <laughs> Time for another feel-good Christmas hit With Corcoran Hearing at the Midlands Consultants Clinic Arden Road, Tullamore Identifying hearing problems that may affect your child's speech Class interaction, even self-confidence Find Corcoran Hearing on Facebook Midlands 103 And all across the Midlands Misty-eyed boomers are embarrassing themselves And their teenagers and only one of them cares about that. Uh, before that, we heard Darlene Love and that was um, Baby Cree's Please Come Home. She performed that recently for the first time in a very long time on David Letterman. So it's been very much in the news in the last little while. Um, and she said that U2's version of the song, um, which we're very familiar with in this part of the world, is her favourite cover version of it. It was um, She wasn't involved in the writing of it, but uh, you can hear the Phil Spector sound on it. He was one of the writers. It's been covered by Mariah Carey, by Michael Bublé, who we'll be talking about a little bit later on in the programme, John Bon Jovi and uh, the Foo Fighters. I don't have words for what that is. Um, but it's a song that has worked its way through the generations since it was first put on an album in 1963. Uh, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to take a break from music for a little while and we will be talking to Jane Foley of... The, of the Fresh Film Festival and then we'll come back to the Christmas music 0833 for your favourites we'll talk to you soon Encore on Midlands 183 thanks to the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre at Lone with a wide range of flexible spaces expertise and facilities to make your live stage production corporate event or community function a success your theatre our home deancrowtheatre.com 
And you're very welcome back to Encore. 0833010103 is the Lamb Brothers Midlands 103 text line if you want to drop us a text this evening or if you want to send us um, a regular message. We'd love to hear from you. And Encore at midlands103.com is the um, email address. The Fresh Film Festival is looking, as it does this time every year for young filmmakers to put themselves out there and in the running for the Young Filmmaker of the Year for for the coming year for 2024. Now the deadline is the 19th of February and if you have a filmmaker in the house or a potential filmmaker in the house aged between 7 and 18 they may be very interested in what the founder of um, the Fresh Film Festival Jane Foley has to say. Um, Jane you're very welcome to Midlands 103 this evening. Hi, great to be here. And great to have you. Uh, and your artistic director and founder of Fresh. Tell me, just just bring us back to the founding of Fresh and what you were hoping for at that time because it's been on some extraordinary journey since then. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess, um, yeah, we're going into our 28th year now, which is absolutely unbelievable, really. Um, you know, it was a very different landscape, I suppose, back 28 years ago. I had just finished art college and had always really had a huge interest in film. Um, and transition year in school was really just kind of becoming a big thing at that point. And so we decided just to sort of see, my sovereign friend, see um, was there filmmaking being done in schools? At that point, it was the Irish Schools Video Competition. Um, so we sent application forms, uh, entry forms to a number of schools in Ireland, and we got 50 big fat VHS tapes back uh, at that point. Um, and we thought, yeah, we're at this is there's onto something here. I guess I suppose to remember that if you were a young person, you wanted to make a film, then you had to borrow your parents' camcorder. You had to try and find some way of editing it, um, probably in camera or one VCR to another VCR. It sounds like a hundred years ago. That's it does. How old it? that all sounds. Yeah, it really does. And technology moves so fast then. Um, and then we're at DVDs and then we're at like uploads and, you know, so it's on and on and on. Um, but I suppose, uh, you know, it, it, the, every, the technology has changed, but in many ways the films have, have stayed the same. Um, it's just we're much bigger. Um, so now we're Ireland's Young Filmmaker of the Year. And we have the RTE TV show, which like is like the Oscars for young people. Uh-huh. So it's yeah, it's really grown very, very big now. Uh, that and the difference, I suppose, between what we saw twenty eight years ago with the with the VHS and now today um, with young people, I mean that age group between seven and eighteen, they are digital natives. They are making videos all the time. They're editing videos all the time. They have an awareness of film and video that that we. Yeah wouldn't have had uh, 25 years ago because we lived with it in a very different way. Um, But it's really interesting to to hear you say that the stories are kind of the same. Yeah, I mean, they are. are. I mean, the things that I mean, they're not like generally the sort of growing up sort of issues that young people face then aren't aren't that dissimilar to the sort of stories we get now. Um, uh, You know, there's still the issues of, you know, lots of lots of people concerned with bullying or with with whatever's going on in their lives i suppose and that's what we love to see sort of the idea of them telling their own stories um i guess i would say they're probably much more influenced by television now um and you know the sort of big series that we see like for example when black mirror was out we had a lot of that sort of that sort of trying to tell that sort of stories that sci-fi type story so television influences them i would say quite a lot 
Um, but in general, the stuff that we see come from schools and stuff tends to be not that terribly different um, than than we had back 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 28 years ago. Um, it's just we can now see it really well and we can hear it really well, and it's well edited. You know, um, those are the differences. And have the production values changed in that time? Yeah, they have. They really have. They're remarkable. I mean, in the in the early days, I think sound was always a really big issue, and sound is still a little bit of an issue. I suppose it's a job that a lot of young people are. You know, if you want to be a filmmaker, nobody really sometimes wants to be the sound person. But it's so important. I mean, if we can't hear your film or if, you know, people get very annoyed at a cinema, you know, if you're watching something yourself and it's muffled or whatever or there's wind, uh, it's quite annoying. So it's really, really important. So in the early days, there was a lot of issues with sound. And that was simply because people didn't have good mics or, you know, now you can buy little mics that you clip onto your clothes very cheaply. Um, you can have your mobile phone hooked up to it. So that that's that's all much improved. Um, yeah, and the production values are much higher. I mean, we're really seeing a level now of filmmaking from young filmmakers that is it's really outstanding. Um, talk to us about some of the great films then that have made their way through the system in recent years and what have made them stand out. Oh, gosh, so many. Um, yeah, I mean, like in the early days we had, uh, or like we, I, re- I really remember those early days very well because this, the stuff was, I suppose we just hadn't ever seen anything like that from young people. So it was kind of like really interesting. We had a, a, a Conor McMahon who made like a trilogy of horror films um, and now he's gone on. He's like a very successful feature filmmaker um, and he stuck to the, the horror genre all the way through. Um, he made Let the Wrong One In recently. That was out at cinemas, I think, only last year. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've. It, it's really interesting to see that that sort of. You can see the early days of somebody trying to sort of figure out who they are. Yeah. And often later on, when you see them continuing to do that their filmmaking journey, their stories and the way they do they do things. A lot of the stuff that they learned very young, lot on stick with them. Yeah, and their preoccupations, I suppose, are quite similar and the yeah. motifs that they have. and They carry yeah. them with them as they as they work through their career, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like animation, you know, we had early animators um, and that's, I suppose, that's really changed as well. You know, I mean, 28 years ago, there wasn't really an animation industry in Ireland. Now it's a huge industry um, and young people know that and they realise that and they can see that, you know, if they spend their time doing that, they could, have, they can have a career in it. You know, they can do something they love, uh, which is really great. And are they, um, I did use the phrase digital natives earlier on, and, and lots of people mm. use that about young people because they're always on their phone. But because they're mm. always on their phone, does that necessarily um, presume then that, that, they, that they do have good technical skills? Yeah, I mean, they have some technical skills, I guess, you know, you still need a good eye, you still need to do all the planning as though you were, you know, if you were making a film that, you know, uh, there's a lot of effort that still has to go into it, you know, even if you're shooting on your phone, um, you still have to, you know, do your storyboarding, you've got to first of all come up with the idea, get your friends together, make up a plan, you know, all of those skills need to be there for it to be successful. And then when you've, you know, shot it all, you've got to look at it and edit it. Um, if if we have any criticism, it's usually that the films tend to be too long and all of them could do with a nice, good, tight edit on them at the end. Um, uh, that would be something we would notice. Um, I suppose that's that's just experience, though, and it's quite hard to edit your own work. Uh, and sometimes you become very precious, I suppose, about, about the stuff, you know, 
Um, and that's why it's so great at, at Fresh, you know, where you get to see your work in front of an audience of your peers. Um, you'll very quickly know, yeah, that film is two minutes long. It's just two minutes longer than it should be. I could have cut that out there. Do you know? It's a, it's a learning experience. Um, you have had people come through the, the, the Fresh experience. Um, who have gone on to Oscar nominations. It is the stepping mm. stone for young people who view film as a career, isn't it? Oh, very much so. I mean, um, and, and yeah, it, it absolutely is. We had, you know, Vincent Lamb, he went on to be Oscar nominated. And again, he's one of the early days for us as well. Um, Donald Forum's filmmaking now. But like more more even than that, like often when I'm watching things on television, I'll look at the credits and I'll see, oh, that's the camera person there. And, um, you know, they're they're very much working in the industry. There's, I mean, the industry is booming in Ireland. Um, there's so much work. Um, and it, I suppose it's, there's so much work in, in the film industry that it's not just for directors, though. There's so much work for, you know, it's all very specialised. So I think, you know, young people need to sort of think about that as well, that, yeah, you can have a career in it, um, but there's so many different aspects of it, from being a costume designer, if that's what you're interested in. Um, and that's why it's really nice to make a short film at that age. And then if you know someone in your, your friend group or in your school who's interested in costumes, bring them in and get them to do the costume. Maybe somebody else is into set design, get them to make some props. You know, use all those sort of skills and because they are the jobs that are there. There's, you know, in, in the actual industry in Ireland, they are the jobs that are needed as well. There is the film and then there is the film festival. And I think it was really interesting to read what uh, Max Henderson, Hendrickson had mm. to say. He was named the Ireland's Young, Ireland's Young Filmmaker of the Year last year. Um, and he has been, and he's 17, but he has been submitting mm. to the competition since he was 12. But he spoke about the experience of going to the um, festival every year, meeting young people and uh, the motivation that was involved in that for him. Yeah, that's that is so important. And, and Max, yeah, and Max isn't unique in that. Like we when we introduced this sort of junior competition, oh, I don't know, was it 10 or 10 or more years ago? We only had the senior one up until then. We thought, are we mad? You know, or is this really young? And then we thought, no, let's just let's just try it and see. And are young people making it at that age? And maybe they're doing it in primary school, or maybe this individual. And we kind of didn't realise there was so many very younger uh, children making films. Um, and sometimes they're quite playful. Uh, but Max, yeah, he won the juniors when he was twelve, and then he went on, and that he that was a live action, and then he just specialised in animation all the way up. And every year he just got better and better and better. But it's interesting because sometimes we would see uh, the young animators come along and they can be quite isolated because they're often working on their own for a very long time, maybe in their bedroom or whatever. You know, it's it's that sort of work. It's it's not really the same as a collaborative and other sort of film. Um, but yeah, he came along and made lots of friends. Uh, and now they're all working together on projects. I was only there last week in Dublin. We had a screening of an alumni screening, um, and it's so great to see them all working together. And yeah. a part of that is is because often, you know, if you're the you're in maybe in a rural part of Ireland, and you're a young person who uh, who's interested in film, but everyone else is interested in hurling or whatever it is, yeah. Uh, then you get to see your, you know, that thing of your tribe, basically. You meet all the others who are interested in the same thing as you. And it's just great. And they're coming from all over the world as well. Yeah, um, yeah. If there's somebody at home thinking, 
You know, this is something we could do in school. Uh, this is something that we could do somewhere in our community. This is something that, you know, my son or my daughter would be really interested in. Um, the uh, the website, freshfilm.ie, has lots of details. Uh, and you yeah. mentioned that editing is really important. What else would you say finally, Jane, to people who might be thinking of getting involved in this? What advice would you give them? I would always say just go and do it. Go and make something. It doesn't have to be very long. Like we have a 60 second award. It could be very short and just put it in. And and basically, I think when anyone, I don't think there's anyone who's ever come to the festival and had a film screened who didn't have a great experience or went away and went, I'm going to do another one next year and it's going to be better and I'm going to come back. Um, because when you're in that environment where it's such a supportive environment, Everybody is in the same boat. Everybody has. It's sort of vulnerable, you know, to put yourself out there as well. Sometimes it can be, you know, you're putting your work out for a whole load of your same age group to see. But it's so supportive. Um, and there's everybody cheers for everybody else's film. Um, so I would say just go ahead and do it um, and, and try and get something made. And then what you'll find is that you'll learn so much from doing that. And putting it out there and you'll meet so many people that the next time you'll make something, it'll be better. And the next time again, it'll be better. Um, and I suppose the thing to remember that I, I know I keep on saying it, but it really is. It's a real career now um, in this in Ireland, do you know. Um, so it's just something to think about. Jane, thanks a million for talking to us tonight on Encore. Really appreciate that. And that is Jane Foley, who is the artistic director and founder of the Fresh Film Festival and freshfilm.ie is where you will get all of the details on that. Um, We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll have the answer to some really interesting questions for you. How is it that Wham, Mariah Carey and the Pogues never managed to get to number one at Christmas with those songs that are such a part of our consciousness at this time of the year? We'll have the answer to that and other fascinating Christmas number one questions after the break here on Encore. Encore, in association with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre at Cologne. Our bright and airy AIB gallery and cosy theatre bar can cater for smaller private events too. Your theatre, our home. DeanCrowTheatre.com This is the time of year where we cannot escape Christmas music. Whether you are in the supermarket and you are listening to almost unrecognisable canned versions of it, or you're bopping along to something on the radio or in the car um, and everybody has their own favourites. But there are some songs that have worked their way through time and amazingly, some of the ones that we know the best never made it to Christmas number one at the time when they were released. Now, if you look at the top 10 for yesterday, um, for the week finishing yesterday, Wham were in there at number one. Mariah Carey was in at number three going down. The Pogues were at number five on the way down. Ed Sheeran's Christmas was in there. Rocking around the Christmas tree. Brenda Lee rocking around again was in at number seven. Michael Bublé at number eight. And what we might talk about it later on with, with uh, Mick Lynch, Your Christmas to Me by Sam Ryder. Uh, if you're Irish, you're probably saying, and who is Sam Ryder? Uh, but we'll find out a little bit more about that a little bit later on. But I am joined, as I said, on the line um, by Mick Lynch, who knows everything there is to know about music. And Mick, you're very <laughs> welcome to the programme. That, that's a tough uh, introduction to live down now. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think you'll be living it down at all now. I think you'll you'll uh, you'll rock right up to it. Um, okay. Those particular three songs, um, they're all in the running to be Christmas number one. 
this yeah. year. Um, but before we talk about that, maybe what's the difference between the Irish and the UK number one? Has it always, have they always been very much in line or what's the distinction between them? What makes a difference from one year to the next? Um, I think it usually depends on if there's a, a good Irish single or a standout Irish song or a novelty song or whatever. Most years, I mean, going back to the 60s and 70s, they were in sync with each other. You know, the Beatles had some a lot of number ones in the 60s in the UK and that corresponded over here. I suppose people were listening to the same music. You know, it was there was a limited amount of radio stations and and people, whatever songs were played on one were in the UK were played here. Um, so they did kind of sink the whole way up along, I think, maybe till you come into the 70s. And I think it was 1972 um, that, say, Tin Lizzy, you know, Whiskey in the Jar would have been the Christmas number one here, whereas in the UK, the complete opposite, Jimmy Osmond, long-haired lover oh, from Liverpool. Yeah. So... So, but but then you go on the following year and you have Slade being number one in both, which Slade celebrating 50 years this year. But a lot of it, um, yeah, the majority of them would be the same. I know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, some of the ones that would say top the charge are Dermot Morgan in the 80s, if anyone remembers. Thank you very much, Mr. Eastwood. That's right. And where, where Shaky Stevens would have been one in the UK and stuff like that. So once there's a novelty one or even a couple of years ago, not novelty, but like, um, Dermot Kennedy would have had a number one here with Giants. You know, yeah. the UK would be completely different. You know, so they tend to, obviously throughout the 80s, they were all matching up with the Band-Aids and Shaggy Stevens and Cliff Richards and Queen and stuff. So, yeah, yeah there's no there's no formula to it, really. That Chris, that the Shaggy Stevens song I only discovered the other day, that was meant to come out in the, in the same year as Band-Aid, <laughs> but they realised that Band-Aid was going to be such a huge hit and they held on to it for another year. Absolutely. And I met Shaky about 15 years ago and I asked him because sometimes it's all hearsay. And I said, and he said, no, we had it produced and ready to go. And then we heard about this uh, Band-Aid collaboration and we held it back. And it was a great move because he got number one the following year. Yeah. And it is one of those songs that has really stood the test of time. It feels like it hasn't aged at all in the way no, maybe and Slade and some Chris- of the others have. Yeah, I was at a Christmas party last weekend and it was the opening song the band played and I went, yeah, that stood the test of time. It's just very poppy, yeah. It is, yeah, it has absolutely lasted. Wham! Last Christmas, I remember that coming out very vividly. Um, Me too. And the, the, the images on the, the Pepsi and Shirley on the, the, the yeah. ski slopes. Um, ski slopes in Switzerland, yeah. yeah. Um, how come that didn't make it to number one? It has been number one, but not at Christmas. That's right. Um, the big thing was what we just touched on there. Wham had had a massive year in 84 and I think a couple of three number ones and then Careless Whisper for George. So there were the Stone Cold favourites to be the number one. But then Bob Geldof um, saw the, the famine in Ethiopia gathered up all the stars as we now know and that came in a one but to be fair to George Michael and to this day he straight away decided to donate all the royalties from last Christmas to the Band-Aid Trust so to this very day every penny of that that has sold well over say 2 million copies I'd say close to 2 million copies in the UK alone and all that money even as we'll be talking about in a minute the contenders this year every penny of that still goes to Band-Aid which is brilliant yeah 
Um, and the fact that it is his anniversary at Christmas, has that made a difference? He died, of course, on Christmas Day. He died on Christmas Day. And a couple of years ago, yeah, 2016, actually, it is when he died. But that... um. Because he died on Christmas Day, it was nearly too late to have an impact on it back then. You know, that year it didn't, but yeah. it always it always was in the charts. And uh, every year, I think you will, and I, you can mark my word on this, for the next 10, 20 years, Wham and Mariah Carey will be the two, and the Pogues are always there, third or fourth, but they're the two that the people public latch on to every year, as in old Christmas songs. And nothing seems to be able to compete against them. Yeah. You know, they'll always be up there whether people like them or not, you know. Yeah. And you said Mariah. Mariah would have been another one that got to number two and never had a, a Christmas number one. And E17, if anyone remembers, 1994, um, E17 had this song called Stay Another Day. And um, yeah, they were the, the pop boy band at the time. That's right. Yeah. And it's nice, but it, it hasn't, you know, Mariah lost the battle and won the war type thing <laughs> back then in 94, in yeah. And it was a terrible video. I saw it recently on top of the pops. Oh, I was saying, yeah. how do they get away with it? It's such a shocking, <laughs> shocking, shocking, shocking oh, video. Absolutely, yeah. And then the third song you mentioned, we're talking about the Pogues, of course. They got to number one in Ireland and people tend to forget that. Yeah. And they were number one in Ireland a week ago after Shane's death. But um, in the UK, uh, Rick Ashley was the favourite in 1987. He'd done a cover of When I Fall in Love the old Nat King Cole song yeah. and that they had thought there was a shoe in for one and then they were celebrating the 10th anniversary of Elvis and there was a show and the Pet Shop Boys were invited they originally decided to perform a song called Baby Let's Play House and then they opted for Always On My Mind and the Pet Shop Boys had had a brilliant year that year a massive album a couple of number ones yeah. so they were the informed group really and it's not a bad version of Always On My Mind um, uh, it's more upbeat than the Much originals more. and yeah. Yes, and so they got to one and the Pogues got to two. So, um, yes, but look, the Pogues, to be fair, it is sold, it sells constantly every year. And I don't know if people know, it's out at the minute and it's available on seven-inch single, which is rare for a lot of these songs. Usually they're only available on download, but that's out for the Simon community since last Tuesday. So I'd like to think it'll be number one in Ireland maybe tomorrow, um, the Pogues, because they have a lot more loyalty here than they would have in the UK. Of course, of course, of course they would. Um, yeah. you, you talk about the sales there and I suppose there are two parts of that. Number one is a, a Christmas number one, like Merry Christmas Everyone or Shake and Stevens or yeah. any of those, it has to be the gift that keeps on giving. It must be the one that, that uh, you know, it, it pays the mortgage every year um, without, for without. performers and for songwriters. Yeah, and it wouldn't even be, the Christmas one obviously is the biggest selling week of the year as well. Obviously, even going back to when sales were physical, um, that's the one week everybody wanted to get to number one because you sold the most copies. But you touch on something like, say, the Slade song is 50th anniversary this year. Naughty Holder, one of the co-songwriters with Jim Lee, they, they would make about close to a million pounds a year on royalties. For that, which is massive money. I think I read recently that's the biggest one in the UK every year. Even though it doesn't be in the top five at Christmas, I suppose it just sells in other countries around the world as well, you know. And um, 
So that would be massive. A lot of them would have big rivalries. Even people we don't think of, like, do you remember Jonah Louie? He had a song oh, called yeah, Stop, Stop the, the Cavalry. Cavalry. Yeah. yeah, and he had, you'll always find me in the kitchen at parties. But he would make, you know, a decent hundred, over a hundred grand a year on um, something like Stop the Cavalry because they get decent money. When I heard a couple of years ago, every time a song was played on UK radio, they got something like four pounds sterling. Now that's, just for every play and that's yeah. I'm talking about I read that 10 or 15 years ago you know so it'll yeah. be a lot more now Yeah. so um, there, there's money in writing a Christmas song absolutely there surely is listen we're going to take a quick break but you might stay yeah. with us and when we come back after that we'll have a chat about between those three which do you think is going to be the one that it will make it we might play a little snippet as well of uh, the Sam Ryder who's Sam Ryder okay. track as yeah. well um, because it's also in the mix but probably not going to make it uh, but we will take that break and we'll come back if you're happy to do that okay. mix straight after that yeah sure Midlands 183's Encore with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone live theatre drama dance music comedy musical theatre panto your home of entertainment for all deancrowtheatre.com now, I was just going to play you something there, but I think I have just hit the wrong button. Yes, I have. Let me give you a little flavour of this and you can see what you think of it. Mick Lynch is with us. Um, we're talking about Christmas number one. This is Sam Ryder. It has something catchy about it. It might it might be a grower. It might be one that will hang on. It's number 10 today in the, the UK top 10. Is It's not going to make it up 10 points in the charts, is it? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, it was in contention. I, I expected to be higher. I, I thought it might finish top three um, tomorrow, but we, we'll find out. But Sam, yeah, represented the UK and the Eurovision. Had a lovely song called "Spaceman." That's it. Has a great, has a great voice. Got to number two with um, "Spaceman" and could you know get to number two with this one but I don't think it's a great song I think it's it's one of these Amazon originals and he's been touring all week around the UK on a bus to plug it and to promote it so that's kind of why I think it's doing better than the song justifies yeah yeah it, it, it gives the impression though in a way of being one of those ones that you might just keep hearing in the supermarket yes. yeah so of the three yeah. that we have we have Wham at number one Mariah Carey and we have the Pogues in there. From a UK perspective, is any of them, is any of those three likely to make the number one spot or could something else completely come in and uh, um, steal the prize? I'd be surprised I'd be surprised if anything else comes in at this stage. I mean, uh, there's one other original song there, Noah Khan had a nice song called Stick um, Season. Yeah. But it's it's not it's not you know it's not for everyone's taste. But I think you know it comes so close to Christmas. People are in the festive mood, and it all is down to downloads and stuff and streaming. So I think you know you need to stream a song, whatever, a um, hundred times to get one sale. That's for any new yeah. song. And if it's an old song, it has to be over over three years old. You need two hundred streams. So. It can go either way, but if I was to pick my top three tomorrow, I think Mariah Law always be up there. So I think I, I'd actually, I might have Sam Ryder at three, maybe Mariah too. And I think Wham are going to do it, hopefully for the first time. The first um, album I ever bought was a Wham album. Uh-huh. There, I've said that live on air. There you go. No judgment, no judgment. It's all, it's all good. Why, why do you think the Pogues are not in with the shout? Um, I just think in the UK uh, for Christmas 
the, like the Pogue song for me would be one of the greatest songs of all time for Christmas but I just think it doesn't have that when you put it beside Mariah Carey and Wham they're pop and they're all happy-go-lucky and it's all lovey-dovey whereas the Pogues went the complete opposite way you know and it's someone down on their luck and I just think um <coughs> The Wham video, like you touched on, and uh, Mariah Carey will play all the time, but the videos, but I, I just think the, it's the younger people that are listening and buying this music nowadays, so I think the Wham and the Mariahs will always be the juggernauts that'll uh, do the pogs, but I expect them number one in Ireland tomorrow. Well, we're going to hold you to that, Mick. Thanks for talking yeah. to us tonight, and happy Christmas to you. Not all, and happy Christmas to you too, Claire. And there you have it, the Christmas number one, according to Mick Lynch, in Ireland at least tomorrow, number one for the Simon community, please God. Uh, I love the lilt of the banjo in that. It's really just so beautiful. Uh, my thanks to Mick for talking to us on the programme this evening. The music man almighty is fantastic. Um, Joe Cooney up after the news here at eight o'clock with the best of Irish and American country music. That is it for Encore for this evening and indeed for this year. Uh, we'll be back in the new year with the best of what's happening in the arts and entertainment across the three counties. Gazishin, Ihua, Kolosov, Nolik Fivashiti of Kaler, Ihua. on Midlands 183 your arts and entertainment for the Midlands with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone imagine the possibilities deancrowtheatre.com